Well, hello and welcome everybody from my side. As always, it is such an honor to be able to be with you and a privilege to be able to unpack God's word with you today. Today, we were going to launch into a series in the book of Revelation, but we decided to put that on the back burner to shelve that for a while. Don't worry, we will still get into it. But we just felt as a leadership here at Connect that it would be important and prudent for us to allow God to speak into the season we're currently in as his church here at Connect. So we're going to be unpacking a scripture or a portion of scripture in the book of Exodus chapter 15 from verse 22 to 27. And I believe that the word the Lord has for us today is going to be a challenge to us as individuals and as his church. But it's also going to be a word of encouragement and a word of comfort. I really believe that God wants to, through his word today, remind us that he is the God of the impossible. That what is impossible for man is not impossible for him. I really believe that God wants us to know that he is our healer, our redeemer, and our unifier. And I really believe that God wants us to know today, as the sermon title suggests, that he is the God who makes bitter water sweet. And so may your ears be open to what the Lord has to say to you today. May your heart be opened and sensitive toward him today. And may we all receive from the Lord as individuals and as his church what he wants for us to receive today. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can open up to the book of Exodus chapter 15 verse 22 to 27. If not, don't worry, it will come up on your screen. Verse 22 in chapter 15 of Exodus says this, Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Mara, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That's why the place was called Mara. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water and the water became fit to drink. There the Lord issued a ruling and an instruction for them and put them to the test. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. So before we dive into the scriptures that we've just read, I want you to understand the context quickly. God had just rescued his people from the hands of the Egyptians. He had taken them from 400 years of slavery and had released them and got them into a place of freedom. God had taken them to the edge of the Red Sea, parted the Red Sea, had them walk through on dry ground. And when they got to the other side, the Israelites saw the Egyptians, the enemies being swallowed by the waters of the Red Sea. And so they were celebrating before these scriptures we've just read. They were rejoicing. There was song and festivity in the air. There was a procession of ladies with tambourines being led by a prophetess named Miriam. And they were just overwhelmed with the goodness of God. But something changed because the atmosphere of God's people was not one of celebration in the scriptures we've just read. It was one of mourning and moaning and grumbling. God hadn't changed. Who the people were hadn't changed. The only thing that had changed was their circumstances. They had run into some difficulties once again. 
You see, God had his people on a journey, a journey from slavery to freedom, from a land that wasn't theirs to a land that would be theirs, a land of milk and honey, of springs and palm trees. It was a journey from bitterness to sweet. It was a journey from a waterless and dry, hot and dusty land to a land filled with palm trees and springs flowing with water. However, the journey was not always going to be easy and God's people didn't anticipate this. They forgot this. They didn't realize this or perceive this. Somehow they were led to believe or thought perhaps that just because they had been rescued from slavery and God had them on a journey and was with them, that somehow the journey he had them on was going to be smooth sailing. God has got us on a journey as a church. He's got us on a journey as individuals. We are on a journey to be made more like Jesus. From when we first came to know him to when we see him face to face, hopefully we would have grown to be and to look more like Jesus. And as a church, Jesus wants to refine us to look more like his bride and to be more and more beautiful, to be shaped into his image and to be taken from one degree of glory to the next. But there are going to be challenges along the way. There are going to be tough times we have to navigate like God's people had to. For God's people, the challenges on the journey from slavery into the promised land, the challenges came in external formats. In other words, the the external circumstances were going to be challenging. And the challenges also came internally. In other words, the stuff that have to deal with that was in their hearts. And for us, it's the same. As we journey together as a church here at Connect, we're going to have challenges that are external. Our circumstances are going to present challenges to us and for us. And those circumstances and those challenges are going to reveal internal challenges. The hearts that we all have to deal with. The state of our heart that we have to bring before the Lord. How we navigate challenging times is going to be of utmost importance. What we hold on to and what we focus on in troubled times will determine how well we navigate these waters, how well we get through them and how well we would have grown, how much we would have grown. So let's look at some of the external challenges that God's people faced. As we read those scriptures, the external challenge that they had was the most obvious one. They had run out of water. They had gone in the desert for three days without any drinkable water and they were parched and on the verge of death. They were desperate to sip some water and to replenish their bodies. When they eventually get to a place where there is a whole bunch of water that looks drinkable, they realize it is bitter and they cannot drink it. And so they begin to grumble. I don't think the Israelites anticipated being in this position. I think they would have rationalized that being saved from Egypt was Uh, such an amazing, miraculous work of God that it was going to be smooth sailing from here on in. They had probably brought their own water supply and thought that that was going to be enough for the trip, that they would be at a fresh water source to replenish their water supplies before they ran out. But just because they had been rescued from the land of Egypt doesn't mean the journey onwards was going to be easy. Most of us would probably reply, yes, obviously, That makes sense, but we've got hindsight working in our favor and the scriptures working in our favor. We can read what God did with them. They were living it as it unfolded. Likewise for us, church, we're right in the midst of a transition and a season that is tough for us. But God knows the end. He knows the end from the beginning. 
And he has promised to build his church and to not let the gates of hell prevail. And God will be glorified in this season, whether we see it now or not. I think like the Israelites, we can fail to see that the journey God has got us on as individuals and as a church is also going to be a journey where there are challenges that have to be faced and navigated and overcome. We can fall into the trap of believing that just because we're Christians and we're a church, that things are going to be smooth sailing. And I want to say to you, it's probably because we're Christians and we are a church that we're going to have to face overwhelming amount of obstacles and challenges. Not only external ones where our circumstances change and it becomes difficult to deal with, but spiritual ones. God's word says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and the forces of darkness in the heavenly realms. We're going to have to navigate moving from one season to the next and the challenges that come with that. Tough times are inevitable for us as Christians and as a church. It might sound a little foreboding and a little bit, you know, scary and not so nice. But challenging times when dealt with and met with with the correct perspective can be something that we actually embrace and allow ourselves to go through because we realize God is doing something we cannot see and producing for him a fruit and a work that we cannot perceive and it is always for his glory. Listen to what it says in verse 25 of Exodus chapter 15. There the Lord put them to the test. You see, it's all about our perspective in tough times. God had allowed his people to experience tough times, a running out of water, a being trapped against the edge of the Red Sea with enemy pursuing them from behind because he was testing their resolve. He was testing their faith. He was testing to see what they would do when things got tough and it felt impossible to overcome. He was testing them to see what would happen when their faith was on the line. Likewise, God allows us to experience tough times, tumultuous seas and tumultuous times. God allows us because in his sovereignty, he knows what it's going to produce and it refines us. It shapes us. It strengthens us. And church, tough times navigated well will unify us because God is about his church coming together. In the book of James, chapter 1, verse 2 to 4, it says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Tough times may come with pain. We may question, what God, what are you doing? Why are you allowing this? This hurts so much. It's so confusing, God. But even the deepest darkness is as light to God. His understanding no one can fathom. His ways are beyond our ways. His thoughts above our thoughts. And we've got to trust that our God, as we hold his hand, will lead us into what he can see, not what we can see. What we can see is confusion and turmoil. What God can see is perfection and his glory. If I think about... A ship and sailors on a ship. And I thought about this and God gave me this image for us as a church with regards to the season we're in and having to navigate tough times. I would rather be on a ship with sailors who've navigated rough seas before. I would rather be in an airplane with a pilot or pilots or a crew that have flown in um, adverse weather conditions and have got home safely more often than not. I would rather be on a ship with sailors who knew what they were doing and were confident that they could navigate through any swell, any storm, any seas. But in order to have gained that experience, they would have needed to have gone through those times. 
And the sailors would have been confident with their boats had they taken it through a storm and come through because the boat would have been tested. The integrity of the hull would have been tested and would have been proved to be strong if it had gone through the storm and gone through several storms. They would have been confident in the ship. And as I thought about that analogy, I was like, wow, Lord, that's such a beautiful picture of the church. The boat, the ship is the church and we are the sailors. But God is keeping the ship intact and the integrity of the whole will remain firm because he's promised it to do that. But as sailors in stormy waters, it's uncomfortable because we're pitching and rolling. We don't know whether we're coming or going, going up or down, sideways, left, right. We don't know. And because of the seas that are throwing us up and down, we're getting sick to the stomach and we're vomiting overboard. We're looking for someone to blame. We're uncomfortable being here. We don't like being here. We just want to get out of here. It's confusing. It's, it's scary. It's a place we don't want to be. But God's calling us to focus on him in the storm. His eyes are on us. He will come walking to us on the border. He will never leave us alone. But through the storm, our resolve is being tested. Our faith is being strengthened and tested. And our experience, well, we're gaining it as we walk together through these times. You can choose to jump overboard and jump off the ship, but you're just going to be jumping into tumultuous waters. God's caused us to be on the ship and to desire the ship and to desire each other on the ship, regardless of our differences, because that's the only way we survive together you can jump off into the water and try and swim to another ship but that ship will inevitably have to sail rough seas as well you can just keep jumping from ship to ship and realize that no crew is perfect no ship is not going to sail rough seas and if you keep jumping from ship to ship you'll eventually drown in the water or be eaten by a shark God has called us to love and serve one another, to navigate stormy waters together for the glory of his name. Often our perspective causes us to desire that the journey be done in an instant, that we get from point A to point B as quick as possible. We desire a speedy transition. We want to expedite our journey from dryness to well-watered land. But church, as I read the scriptures and I see what God does and how he's done things with his people then and his people now, for God, it is far less about the starting and end point. It's actually about the journey for him because it's through the journey where we met with challenges and God is provided with opportunities to show his greatness and his glory to us, his people. God is at work doing things that we cannot even dream of or imagine or see or perceive. He's always at work in ways that we cannot imagine for the glory of his name, for the good of his people. And he uses challenging times to do that and to refine that in us and to show us that. 2 Peter verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 9 says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So church, we need to gain a better perspective on the season that we're in. We need to lift up our heads, allow God to take us by the chin, like I do to my son and my daughter sometimes when I'm speaking to them. I want them to listen. They can walk around really glum sometimes because they've been hurt. And that's not to delegitimize their pain, but to just lift their head up and say, hey, dad's with you. I love you. Get a perspective on this. You're growing and being strengthened. And I feel like God wants to reach out his hand and say that to us and is reaching out his hand to say that to us as his church. 
Now, the Israelites, had, like I said, probably brought their own water along for the journey as well, but they never would have imagined that they would run out of water before they got to another water source. Now, being prepared isn't a bad thing, but when you think that your resources are enough to sustain you on a journey that God's got you on, you run into big trouble. Our resources will run dry. What we feel is sufficient to sustain us, what we feel like we've equipped ourselves with in our own strength, our own wisdom, and our own talents, is going to prove insufficient to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. Our own strength, our own resources, our own wisdom cannot sustain us in difficult and confusing times. This journey is about God showing to us how great He is, not how great we are. The rough seas of life will bring us to the end of ourselves. It will cause us to be on our knees, lying down in the fetal position sometimes, wanting it to just stop. But it should never cause us to be without hope. It is in tough times, in the seemingly impossible times of life, that God makes His ways known to us and makes His glory and His power known in ways that otherwise wouldn't have been known to us had we not navigated rough seasons and tough times together. For the Israelites, the life-threatening external challenges that they faced presented the opportunity for God to make known His plans and purposes for them, His power and His glory, His provision, His faithfulness and His trustworthiness. Imagine if they had got to the Red Sea and it was not there. Imagine if they had got to the waters of Marah and they were sweet already. God would not have had the opportunity of parting the Red Sea or sweetening the waters at Marah. The scriptures are filled with examples that echo this truth where God allows his people to experience impossible and difficult times for the sake of his glory. Gideon, who's called, uh, you know, a mighty warrior, but he was not when God called him. He leads 300 men to overthrow and conquer thousands and thousands and thousands of enemy soldiers. The Jericho walls come down. The feeding of 10,000 or more people with two fish and five loaves. Israel freed from slavery. Israel crossing the Red Sea. The dead are raised. Storms are calmed by the voice of Jesus. The blind see, the deaf hear. God does impossible things in impossible times, which reveals His glory. When we cannot do it, church, just know this. Our God most certainly can. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, we read this. Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. As we consider the season we're in as a church, it may seem to you that unity and healing and restoration is far off and perhaps even impossible. You may have wanted to jump ship. You may have wanted to dive into the water because you think that's a far more pleasant place to be. But Jesus would look at you and I today and say this to you. My brothers and my sisters, my sons and my daughters, what is impossible with man is not impossible for me. Give me your heart. Give me your attention. Give me your life. And I will do the impossible. If we do not trust the Lord, if we allow ourselves to be consumed and overwhelmed, and if we allow ourselves to be faithless in this season, the flesh will rise up. We will, we will become increasingly carnal, selfish, less spiritual, bitter. We will grumble and moan, point fingers at each other, biting and devouring one another. Galatians 5, 13 to 15 says this. Serve one another in love. 
The entire law is fulfilled in a single decree. Love your neighbor as yourself, but if you keep on biting and devouring one another, watch out, for you will be consumed by one another. This was the internal wrestle that was exposed for God's people when they came to Myra. This was what was exposed in the hearts of the Israelites when they reached the bitter waters that they could not drink. The beauty of the external challenges was that it started to reveal the internal condition of God's people. It's the internal challenges that were more important to God to deal with. And likewise for us, the external challenges we face are less important to God than the internal ones we face. God can get us through the external challenges in the blink of an eye and the click of his finger. But it takes a lot longer for him to work on the internal bitterness we carry. But external challenges bring that to the surface, which is such a beautiful thing. Listen again to what happened when they found out, God's people, when they found out that the water was bitter and couldn't drink it. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? The external obstacles that they faced, the, the, the hot sand, the dry air, their parched mouths, lack of water revealed in the internal realities of their heart. And what becomes abundantly evidence, uh, evident in the face of bitter water is that God's people needed deliverance from far more than just Pharaoh, from far more than just external circumstances. They needed deliverance from their bitter selves. Proverbs 27, 19 says, As in water, face reflects face, so the heart of a man reflects the man. What the Israelites didn't know was as they stared into the water and saw their faces being reflected in the waters of Marah, they did not know that that bitter water was going to reflect their heart more than anything else. Little did the Israelites know, the Israelites know that as they gazed into the bitter waters of Marah, that it was actually their hearts God wanted to fix. It's very easy for us to read about the Israelites and think, oh, that was them, that would never have been me. But be assured, church, that we are no better than the Israelites were back then. What we see in them, we can see in ourselves when we face with external challenges. See, God's plan all along was to refine his people and to purify their hearts. God's plan all along for us is to be his church, to be united, to be made into the image of his bride and into Christ's likeness. His ultimate, his ultimate purpose for them back then and for us now is to have a change of heart. Listen carefully to verse 26. It says, If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought in the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. This verse makes it plain and clear to see that God's desire was ultimately to heal his people. It's not I'm the God who heals your bitter waters. It's I'm the God who heals you. And the external challenges and circumstances that we don't like to be in, we should embrace because it brings about the stuff that's in our heart. And that's what God wants to deal with. So often we want sweet circumstances, but we allow bitterness to be harbored in our heart. God would rather us have bitter circumstances and sweet hearts. But you know the amazing thing is that when we allow our hearts to be sweetened and the bitter waters of our hearts are dealt with, 
that often comes with sweet circumstances. Listen to what it says in verse 27. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there near the water. Church, God took them from the place of bitter water to sweet water, and from there to a place with springs in abundance and palm trees that they could relax under in the shade. As a church, I believe God wants us to search our hearts, to allow the circumstances we find ourselves in and external challenges we've had to face together, to bring to the surface the stuff that we need to deal with before the Lord. And as we begin to do that, He will make the bitter waters sweet. And this is what I want to end off with today. How on earth did God make the bitter waters sweet for them? How on earth can God make the bitter waters of our season as a church sweet again? It says in verse 25, Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. Now that is a bit of a weird way to sweeten water. It would not be a way that I recommend to you that if you come across some brack water on a hike somewhere, that you chuck a piece of wood into it. Now, despite theories to the contrary, this was a miracle. There are some trees and leaves on trees in, in South Africa and in, and in Africa, actually, that um, are used by, by uh, uh, people to, to, to chuck into water. And what happens is the, is the chemical makeup of the leaves actually causes sediment to settle. And so uh, people can drink the water. But none of these types of trees existed in those parts of the world. And so what God does and what he did here was really, truly a miracle. It was a miracle performed not only to sweeten and, and, and make drinkable the waters of Mara, but also to teach us and to lead us into a far deeper truth. See, the tree that God showed Moses to throw into the bitter water was actually a symbol and an emblem of the cross that was to come. It was a prophetic utterance and alluding to the deep, purifying, sweetening work of Christ as he died upon the cross, was buried and resurrected again. You see this wood, this piece of wood, this tree that Moses chucked into the water was a representation of Christ. And as Moses threw the, bitter, as Moses threw the log of the tree into the bitter water, so it became sweet. It's a message to you and to I today that to make bitter water sweet, we need to chuck Jesus into the middle. We need to chuck Jesus into the center and allow him to sweeten. Everything needs to be filtered through Jesus and seen to be for the glory of Jesus. If we do anything else for any other motive, we've missed it. Jesus needs to filter the bitter water. I can assure you the counsel of God for us today is to place Jesus into the bitter water to put him at the center, to look for Jesus to be at work in you and to look for Jesus at work in your brother and sister here at Connect Church. To strive to see Jesus and to love each other as God would have us love each other. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, soul and mind and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Let us honor God by doing that. Jesus makes bitter water sweet. Jesus is our healer. He is our salvation. He is the glorious one in whom should be all our delight. Jesus alone is able to unify us, church. 
Jesus alone is able to sweeten bitter waters and cause us to come to those waters and to drink together. The message today, I believe, is clear. Whatever the bitter obstacles are that come our way in this season and in others that lie ahead, whatever bitter obstacles we face as a church and as individuals, we can count on God to transform them when we put Jesus at the center and we make it all about him. Let us make every effort to look for Jesus and the people around us as we serve him together. You and I cannot, cannot afford to be bitter water because when people come to drink, they need to receive fountains of living water flowing from us so that Jesus will be glorified. Let us not be a church that Jesus is displeased with, but a church that is unified, a church that takes it seriously to be at the feet of Jesus and to honor each other despite our differences for the glory of his name. Let us cry out to God. Let us let him sweeten our bitter hearts and bitter circumstances. Let us make him make us drinkable to the world around us. Let him turn the circumstances we've had to face and are going through into sweet waters so that it can strengthen us for the next leg of the journey. God is big enough to deal with, to redeem and even to transform into anything for his glory, any of the challenges we might face. Revelation 21 verse 5 to 6 says this, Behold, I make all things new. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give freely from the spring of the water of life. Jesus, I pray for our church. Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters at this church. Jesus, I pray for people who are listening who are not part of our church. That as we come to you to receive the waters of life that flow from the throne, that we'd be filled that we'd be edified, that we'd be refreshed, that we'd be encouraged, that our hearts, Lord, would be cleansed and the bitter waters of our hearts that are exposed during times of external testing and challenge. I pray that they'd be sweetened. I pray that the dry lands of our heart would be nourished and watered, that there'd be good fruit that grows there for you, that there'd be repentance and forgiveness, that there'd be restoration and healing. And in the name of Jesus, that we would be a bride that is pleasing to you, a sweet scent and offering to you, Lord, that is acceptable. God, may it be that for us to live is Christ and to die is gain. May it be for us that our sole purpose is to bring you glory. Bind the enemy, Lord Jesus. Rebuke him. Guard us and keep us. Cause us to fix our eyes on you. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray, God, bless this church. May we find favor with you for your glory. And all God's people said, Amen. Church, bless you. Looking forward to connecting with you and to seeing what God does with us in this season for his glory. Be encouraged. Be lifted up. Be challenged. Be comforted. Amen.